bringing in the glory. And, I, and I'm going to explain that in just a little bit, what that means, because sometimes we don't understand exactly what that means or what it's referring to. But uh, if, if we, uh, when we look at the calendar, right, the new year in January will be 2020. Um, so it's like new vision, right? That, you know, it doesn't take a profit to figure that out. But in the, uh, in the Hebrew calendar, which starts in, in a few weeks, in the Hebrew calendar, this is the year 5,780. The Hebrews go by a different calendar. They go back to Adam. Okay? Christians, we, of course, we go back to Jesus. That's where you get 2020 from. But if you go back to Adam in the Jewish mindset, it's 5,780. We talked about that last week. <clears throat> but in this new year, I said 5780 is about that, that number 80 because in the Hebrew, every number is also, also has a meaning. And it has an alphabet connected to it, right? So I'm trying to be brief because we've been through this already. But the number 80 means the mouth or an expanded, increasing mouth. God is giving us a new voice, a new voice to, to go forth, to start declaring the glory of God. Amen. Last week we talked about Eden, how that uh, God didn't send rain to Eden. Why? Because he didn't have a man to cultivate it. The garden would have just gone crazy. Amen? But then God created Adam, and as soon as he creates Adam, what do we see? We see a river come out, and the river has four branches. So it's like, I want you to catch this, because when God forms a man, the world gets a river. When God forms you, He'll make you a river. When, when God gets your life where it ought to be, you'll become a river. Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living waters. Amen. Quit thinking of the church as the source of the river. You're the source of the river. Quit thinking of the pastor as the source of the river. You're the source of the river. It's in you. Fist bump somebody and say, it's in you. It's in you. If you're a Christian, it's in you. Now, now some of you have a lot of dams. Some of you have a lot of filters. Come on. Some people, I met some people, their filters like a foot wide. It's just, you can't get anything through it. But I'm here to tell you, it's in you. If you, can get, if you can break it loose, if you can get rid of all the filters in your life. Well, that's another whole sermon right there. But we, we got to get rid of the filters so that what is in us can come out. Amen. Some of those filters are, are your self-talk. I want to preach this. Some of you, some of that self, some of those filters are your self-talk that says, "I'll never amount to anything," or "God can't use me." Amen. You need to go back into the Bible and look at the lives of the people that God chose. None of them, come on, had all that much going for them. Oh, oh, I could preach now. There's so many of them, right? I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I'm not. I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. But then there's Moses, okay? There's, 
We <laughs> oh, I could go and talk about Daniel. And, uh, okay, but anyway, there, there's just a lot of people. You know, Moses says, I, I, I'm nobody. I, I, I can't even talk. I, I stutter. I, 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 God says, I'm going to give you a voice. Now, I picked Moses because some of you think you don't have a voice. You don't have any impact. You can't, you say, well, I, I'm, I'm just backward. I'm an introvert. I'm here to tell you God's going to give you a voice. It's going to be authoritative. It's going to make a difference in somebody's life. And anybody hearing what I'm saying, give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. That river represents life and fruitfulness and abundance and glory. So we're gonna, we want to bring in the glory. I mean, what does that really mean anyway? Because sometimes we just, some of us were raised like, well, you just go to church. It's a ritual. It's a thing you do. Grandma did it, and she'd be disappointed if I didn't go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a social club. I'm not talking about a little thing you do to make you feel better. I'm not talking about something you do to make someone else feel better. Come on now. I, I, I'm not talking about some ritual. I'm not talking about coming in and saying, this is a pretty church. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you coming in and saying, oh, that's a handsome pastor. I like his new beard. No, that's not. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Can I get an Amen. He's all right. I just don't like his shirt. That's okay. Praise God. <laughs> they learn to talk back early. Amen. Have nothing to say, but they talk back anyway. That's the way some of the adults are. Okay, anyway. <laughs> what does it mean to bring in the glory? It means to have a church service where God is present. It, it, it means that... Hmm, that what you experience in here, and, and really in your life, but like, can I just talk about in here? Uh, it's, it's about experiencing something in God that is supernatural, that you can't experience any other way. It's about, it's about something happening in here that doesn't happen out in the world, so to speak. Amen. It's not about mimicking the world. It's, it's not about uh, using their methods. It's about experiencing. It's, it's not about, I mean, emotions are involved in it, but it's about feeling something that you can't explain. It's about actually praying and actually getting answers. Hello? It's not just, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, I think God is tired of cute Christians. It's not about being cute. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about just, you know, playing the game. It's not about acting one way on Sunday and the devil on Monday. Don't be looking around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's about seeing the supernatural. And boy, the world gets crazy when we start talking about that. They have an image of what the church is, dead, lifeless, useless. In fact, some people go beyond that and they say prejudicial, judgmental, angry, narrow-minded. They'll even call us Republicans. Oh. <gasps> 
right-wingers. And they want to shame us and, and call, amen. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to be about politics. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not the image that the world, if the world would just come into a life-giving church, it would blow their minds, and they would understand why we're here this morning. We're not here wasting time, amen. We believe that God can intervene in our lives. We believe God can interrupt our lives. We believe God can change the course of of our lives. We believe God can change our journey. We believe God can answer prayers. He can heal our bodies. Oh, come on. Okay, let's hurry up. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Y'all remember this story. David uh, mustered the troops of Israel. You see, the ark. How many know what the ark of the covenant? Right? So uh, the Philistines had stolen the ark of the covenant. Now David got it back. And he's bringing the ark because the ark carried the presence of the Lord. But aren't you glad God's not in a box anymore? He's in you. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, so David mustered the pick of the troops of Israel, 30 divisions. Together with his soldiers, David headed for Bela and to, to recover the chest or the ark of God, which was called by the name God of the angel armies. Woo, glory to God. Who was enthroned over the pair of angels uh, on the chest. So over the ark of the covenant, there are two angels, right, with their, aunt, with their uh, wings pointing towards each other. There they was. So they placed the chest of God on a brand new ox cart, the very best ox cart. This was no cheap ox cart. It's brand new. And he removed it from Abinadab's house on the hill. Uzzah, and that guy from Ohio, Abinadab's sons were driving the new cart loaded with the chest of God. A howl was in the lead, and Uzzah alongside the chest. Someone needs to lead God, and someone else needs to steady God. How many believe that's not going to end well? Where am I? David and the whole company of Israel were in the parade. Yeah, some people don't have church. They have parades. Oh, you'll get it later. Singing at the top of their lungs and playing mandolins and harps and tambourines, castanets and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled. So Uzzah reached out and grabbed the chest of God because God needed steadying. God blazed in anger against Uzzah and struck him hard. Because he had profaned the chest. Be careful how you handle the glory. Uzzah died on the spot right alongside the chest. Wow, I hate it when that happens. Then David got angry because of God's deadly outburst. Have you ever been mad at God? That place still is called Perez Uzzah, the explosion against Uzzah. Love it. David became fearful of God that day. Hello, David. You should have done that earlier. And said, this chest is too hot to handle. How can I ever get it back to the city of David? A couple more verses. 
He refused to take the chest of God a step farther. Sometimes you just got to stop what you're doing. Instead, David removed it off the road uh, and to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The chest of God stayed at the house of Odom-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And God prospered Odom-Edom and his entire household. Now, I want you to understand that it seems like David has all the ingredients for a revival. There was great joy. Hello? I mean, everyone's happy. Everyone's excited. Number two, there was great zeal. Let's get this done. We can do it. You can do it. All the zeal and joy. Amen. Does it sound like a great church so far? They had the most talented worship band they could find. I mean, the worship band was doing it. They didn't miss a beat. They were like. And the mandolin and all that stuff. They employed all the latest methods and technology. Right? Be sure you put this on a good, wonderful, sturdy, man-made cart. See, in the Old Testament, they gave strict instructions. You never put the ark of God on anything man-made. You put the ark on your shoulders. You have to carry in the presence of God. You can't manipulate the presence of God. You can't use Philistine methods to bring in. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. All the latest methods and technology, right? They had the best public relations program. I mean, before they started, they put this on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They crowdsourced it. And people came from all over Israel. I mean, they put flyers out, you know. Text blasts, they did all that stuff. They, they got everybody there, amen? Best public relations. How many know you got to have good public relations to have a revival? And lastly, the crowds were huge. We judge everything by the size of a crowd. Bigger the crowd, the bigger the God, right? Jesus said, we're just two or three. I'm there in the midst. Sometimes I wonder, it seems like the bigger the crowd, the less he shows up. I don't know. Well, whatever. But I have news for you. The glory didn't come. In fact, things were quite dead. Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You ready for the problem? Number one, they didn't consult the Word of God. If you're going to have a revival, you need to do it God's way. You need to get into the Word of God. What does the Word say? It's not what some seminar says, not what some other successful pastor says. It's not what worked down the street, amen. It's not what you read in some other little book. It's what's in the Word. If you're not doing it the way the Word tells you to do it, you're probably, you may have results, but it may not be right. You can have crowds but no glory. Because sometimes the crowds come just for the bread. Sometimes they just show up for the miracles. Sometimes they just show up for the noise. Oh, 
Come on, church. Thank you. The ushers are coming back for another offering. Number two, David didn't prepare the people to handle holy things. Say, oh, God, send revival. You sure? Sometimes it doesn't end up the way you want it to, to end up because in order to have revival, something's got to change. In order to have revival, something's got to give. In order to have revival, God's got to mess with some of your stuff. To have revival, you may have to drop something, quit something, change something, change your schedule. You may have to adjust your budget. We do budgets that don't even put God in it. Oh, now you're not going to say amen? Jesus, help us. We have to prepare people to handle holy things. Because when the glory comes in, that's holy. People have church without glory. That's not holy. You can handle that, and they do. They manipulate everything. They control everything. Everything's on their schedule. Amen. God, help them if God ever broke in. God, help them. Some churches, if somebody came in who wasn't really like them, Don't act like that. We have to be prepared to handle holy things. How many want to get ready for revival? Number three, here's the problem. Number three, they enlisted a method used by the Philistines. We start saying, well, what works in the world? Let's bring it in the church. How do you draw a crowd at Jacob's Field? Let's do that in the church. If you feed them, they will come. Let's find, you know, let's, let's use worldly methods. And oh, this is another whole thing, right? We could preach a long time on this. But listen, it's not about world, what works in the world. Unfortunately, will work in the church, but it ain't real. It's not spiritual and it's not God. It's just an assembly of people. Come on, you can join it, but you can join Sam's Club. They enlisted a method used by the Philistines. Number four, at the first bump in the road, the revival was over. <laughs> Come on. I'm having church until one little thing, one little hiccup, one little thing goes, oh, oh it's all gone. It's like that mist we're talking about. As soon as the heat of the sun comes up, the mist is burned up. First little trial comes, and we're ready to give up. First bump in the road, and the revival was over. Number one, two, three, four, five. They assumed it was up to them to keep things going. I want you to get this word because I got to get this word. It's not up to me to keep things going. I have to keep reminding me, myself. 
and my grammar. These are your people. I say that when things go well. I say that when y'all act up. They're, they're your people. Yeah, you saved them. It's up to God to keep this on track. It's not up to us to steady the ark. I tell you, they teach you this stuff. You got to control everything. Keep everything under control. Keep it steady. Really? He touched the ark and died. I tell you, we need to quit touching the ark. Can I put it another way? John the, John the Baptist says, he said, I'm not, I'm not the bride. I'm not the bride. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. Too many preachers are flirting with the bride. You're the bride. Too many preachers make it about themselves. Too many preachers are just building a church on a relationship with, with the preacher. I need more time. Instead of encouraging a relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. And whenever, whenever you substitute the bridegroom for the friend of the bridegroom, <laughs> that's called adultery. That's called fornication. I need to preach this to the preachers. Last, I'm going to read this in the message because it's it's a little different. He said, God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of of a plain strewn with bones. He led me around among them a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones, bleached by the sun. Uh huh. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones! Listen to the message of God. I do that every Sunday. God the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you, and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin, breathe life into you. You'll come alive, and you'll realize that I am God. Oh, my Lord. I prophesied just as I've been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound and oh, rustling. The bones moved and came together bone to bone, and the hip bones connected to the. And I kept watching sinews form, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. Listen, you can have a great organization, but if you don't have breath in the organization, you're dead. You can have a great church organized from top to bottom, good Budget, lots of money, amen, staff, uh, everything flowing uh, on, the, on the paper, it's fine. But if you don't have the breath of God in you, you're dead. Come on, church. 
Inhale the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds. Come, breathe, breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet. A huge army for the Lord. Give him praise. Amen. Woo. Real quick, here it is. Here's what we got to have. First of all, it starts by God grabbing us, not gra- not us grabbing him. God, get a hold of these people. Come on. You can't initiate revival. Yeah, you pray, you fast, you believe, but revival will come when God sends it. Wow. Number two, break out with a declaration. What did I say at the beginning of this? God's giving us a voice. Listen, sometimes I think we need to stop praying and start declaring. If you already know the will of God, what are you praying about? If you already know the will of God, declare it. Shout it from the housetops. Amen. It's time to declare it. Sometimes I'll come into this sanctuary and I'll preach to nobody. I'll just declare to the atmosphere. We're going to have church tomorrow. Once you know God's will, declare it. Amen. You can't declare what you don't know is his will. I know some of you declaring that new Cadillac, but that may not be God's will. How many know you can get in trouble declaring things you shouldn't declare? I declare. Starts with a declaration. Number three, it flows with true unity. It, oh, it breaks out when God's people are together, right? Psalms 133, this is what, you know, I preached this how many hundred times. How many, this is like a theme scripture for this church. But uh, go to that scripture, Psalms 133, how, wonder, how truly wonderful, this is from the Passion, so it sounds different. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers, oh, they put the sisters in there. And sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. Which way does the anointing flow? Oh, my, 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 my. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon way to the north. It, it, it takes the dew out of the clouds, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessings, the promise of life forevermore. King James, there he commands the blessing. Wow. Number four. It strengthens the body. Sinews and muscles are put on, right, Ephesians 4.11. I, I just want to give, give you some word. You okay with the word? Real quick. And he has appointed some uh, with grace to be apostles, some uh, prophets, right, evangelists, uh, teachers, pastors, and some with grace. to. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to, their, to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. It's not my job to do ministry. It's my job to get you to do ministry. And equip you and get you ready for that. How many can say amen to that? These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we, be, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Wow. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. I'm going to stop there. Number Next number. 
We need covering. We need skin on. We need the covering of, of, of God. Mm. Listen, one of the worst things you could do is get out from covering. And that, that, and that happens when you come against leadership. Hello? When you decide you know better. Lord, you, you hear how quiet it is right now? You hear? I got to move on. Next, it needs the breath of God upon the structure and the people. Remember what I said? Breathing breath is really, I mean, words are vocalized breath. When you speak, where did that breath come from? No wonder life and death are in the power of the tongue. Wow. And finally, let me say this. A new sound, a new sound must be received. It's, church, when God breaks out, every time he breaks out, it's a little different than what you're used to. Here's my word to you. Get used to it. It's going to be, it's not going to be like grandma. It's not going to be the same. Y'all hearing me? It might be. So I've never seen it like that. Well, doesn't, isn't God doing a new thing? God, you can do a new thing. Just don't mess with my old thing. Acts 2-2, right? A new sound. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It wasn't about the wind. It was about the sound, the sound of a wind. They weren't like hanging on because of the wind. It was the sound. God, God, we need a new sound from heaven. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, if you got it, talks about this as well. Again, he entered Capernaum after you some days, uh, and it was heard. Listen, there's a lot of gimmicks to growing a church, but the, the, the only real way, to grow the church, the kingdom. You know what it is? People will come when they hear he's in the house. And it's not about the music or the programs or the preacher or the building or the denomination or lack thereof. It's about who is in the house. They came because Jesus... Jesus was in the house. Oh, y'all aren't getting this. I'm afraid you're not getting this. That's what makes the difference. You, you can complain, you know, about the temperature or where, you know, someone took your seat this morning or the parking lot or God help us with the parking lot. Seriously. We need $60,000. God help us with the parking lot. God ain't about that. We're not here to make you comfortable. We're here to introduce you to Jesus. I'm afraid people are coming to church because it's easy and it's comfortable and it's what they like. If that's why you're coming to church, you're coming for the bread. You're coming for the miracles. 
But when Jesus says, drink my blood and eat my flesh and pick up my cross, Jesus is in the 